I am still alive, bitches. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, yeah, I'm still here. So, uh, to my regular listeners, I apologize for making you guys wait four whole days thinking like, okay, did she fucking die? <laughs> did she die on the 20th? Um, no, I did not. Um, and I did not because somehow I, uh, inadvertently managed to shut down the entire world. Sorry about that. Um, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, to, to new listeners, if you're wondering what the fuck I'm talking about, um, I suggest you check out episodes from the first week of February when I more or less had like a walking or waking premonition where I thought that myself or someone that I cared about was going to either get hit by a bus or just die um, this Friday, March 20th. And on the episode, I talked about um, that particular date being like literally just numerologically, I can't speak, numerologically, like six months from the day of my birth and some odd days, but it was like, it ended up just there was a lot of 20s going on and twos and three symbolism happening with like numbers and stuff. And I really freaked myself out. And um, and I, I had said on those episodes that, um, you know, come that day, I was going to have, you know, I was going to talk to all my friends and family and make sure none of them leave their homes on the 20th of March which is this past Friday, um, I wasn't going to go anywhere. Um, that was over like three episodes. I basically first wasn't going to do anything differently, but then I said, you know, if something is going out of their way to warn me to stay at home on the 20th of March, then I should make sure that I do just that. And, um, and so I, ahead of time had planned, I put it on my calendar, like death day, (laughs) don't go outside. Um, I told my husband, you know, mark it on your calendar. You are not going anywhere. I was prepared to call my daughter in um, sick from school. And bear in mind, this was back in February before this whole madness, before people were even largely aware of the coronavirus, before shutdowns and quarantines and all this stuff like that. Um, But I had also said on those episodes that I wanted, you know, people that were listening to just just for shits and giggles, because you never know, you don't know what you're looking at you know, when something like this happens, just maybe they should stay at home too and have their loved ones stay home as well. And um, I was half joking when I said that, but uh, apparently um, the powers that be took what I was saying very literally and shut the entire fucking world down. (laughs) I'm I'm tongue firmly in cheek, by the way. Um, I'm partially joking, but I'm also partially freaking out a little bit. And and I say freaking out, that's a heavy term. I've actually more or less just been sitting outside. It's been nice and warm in California over the last couple of days, thankfully, um, with the shutdown. And uh, I've been meditating just away from my phone, looking at the clouds like you used to when you were a kid, you know, like watching the wind play with the trees and seeing the birds in the sky and just thinking like, am I God? <laughs> I'm joking, but I'm not. Um, it's been it's been said by everyone, right? Physicists, um, philosophers, um, or philosophers rather, um, scientists, more or less, that 
you know, all that we all that we see in reality is more or less like a construction of our minds. Um, it's all in your mind, right? Your mind is a computer that kind of more or less, more or less creates or manifests the reality that we perceive. And then everything from Buddhism to Hinduism to Sufism to Christianity, they've all more or less hinted to the same um, general idea that everything, like death and life, and everything you have in life occurs with the tongue, with what you say, the power of the tongue, which is more or less also a manifestation of one's mind. Um, I've always said, you know, I, I, I take extreme responsibility for everything that's ever happened to me in my life. Um, but I, I, I've always taken it a step further that it's not just like me, Joe, creating my life. It's like my higher self that either shapes things, has me go through things that seem kind of shitty in the, in the meantime. But when I look back on them, end up actually being for, for the best, right, to my benefit. And um, so after this whole, you know, March 20th death day, um, I've really been sitting and thinking like, okay, what does this mean? Um, one of the theories I had was that perhaps in the past incarnation, I talked about that in previous in those previous kind of earlier episodes in February, I talked about that maybe, you know, if you believe in quantum immortality and the fact that like, you know, you more or less don't die, you just either reloop the same life. Um, Anthony Peake talks about that in Is There Life After Death? That more or less like life is just a loop. Um, he's not the only one who talks about that. Uh, P.D. Uspensky also talks about that, um, which he learned from Gurdjieff, who learned from Hindus and Buddhists um, and other Eastern gurus and teachers that life is a loop. And there's some people who are more or less fated, like Sisyphus, just live the same shit over and over again. But then there are others who, after looping so many times, you start looking up and around and saying, wait, wait a minute, this shit looks familiar, right? And that's fucking deja vu. And then you wake up. So you wake up in in the dream of reality and then you start being able to alter, th- alter things. And then you can turn that that circle, that cycle that's, you know, loop into a spiral and change what happens. And so I like I like listening to my podcast because some of the times when I write stuff from just talking off the top of my head, I end up I say things that I'm not even conscious of what I'm talking about until I go back and listen to it and I'm like, oh shit, that's true. And so in the past episodes, like what I've said was like maybe March twentieth was the day that I did die in some past incarnation, right? And if you're putting everything together, let's just say that in my in a past incarnation of this life loop, I was not cautious during the week leading up to uh, March 20th, which just FYI, I was super fucking cautious, okay? Like bathing myself and rubbing alcohol. <laughs> like I don't even think I left my house um, that, that, that whole week. Um, and if I did, I was just, you know, very mindful of, you know, where I was going. I had several people meet, like offer to meet up with me, like, Hey, let's, let's go, you know, to the bar, let's go drinking. I was like, nah, fuck that. Cause I'm not trying to fuck around and fucking catch the coronavirus and then die on Friday. Nah, I'm good. I, I was just extra cautious. And I, and I was, I mean, I was kind of annoying to live with because like, I, I didn't, if anybody was leaving the house, I was like, where are you going? Um, 
you know, when you came home, I was like, everybody hopped into the shower, take a hot shower. I just, I didn't operate heavy machinery. I didn't, (laughs) I was just very mindful. Um, And you know what, who's to say that had I not been, you know, like I even unplugged, like I was, I was really going to have like my space heater going. Um, Normally I would just turn it off and leave them, leave it plugged in overnight. But do you start thinking when you're kind of concerned that you're, you have an impending death, death date, which I'm sure most of you probably never had an experience like that. I know I hadn't um, until just this past week. You become extra mindful of like how everything could possibly kill you, right? From uh, a space heater being left on overnight and catching on fire to, you know, like I had said in the episodes, like fucking planes dropping out of the sky. But then lo and behold, they grounded planes, they closed airports. Like I was like, okay, something really doesn't want me or somebody that I care about or both to die on the state. So I'm just going to respect that and just be super fucking mindful. Um, so that whole week I, I, I have been. And so now it's like, oh, somebody had asked like, well, did you do anything differently on that day, on that week or whatever, or even like the month leading up to that? And like, aside from just being like super cautious, no. In fact, the one thing that I did like this whole time, you know, I paint so many portraits, but I never actually I painted a painting of my daughter, but I never painted a painting of my mom. Um, at least not like a really good one as I've gotten better, like, you know, skills or whatever. And I thought to myself, you know, if I was going to die on Friday, I want to make sure that I finish, I, I start and finish a painting of my mom. And so like literally two weeks before the 20th, that was what I decided to do differently. Um, so I can, I can safely tell you guys that um, as, a, as, as a, I guess a person who thought they were going to die a particular date, I now know what I would do if I felt that I only had two weeks left to live, which was paint, first of all, um, you know, love and and let the people that I love and care about know that I love and care about them. Um, I, uh, you know, talked to my parents. I didn't really tell them too much because I wanted to freak them out. I didn't tell my dad anything. Um, I'm sure my mom did. And then I told my mom, just, you know, just be mindful on that date. And she was like, fuck that, I'm flying. But then they canceled her flight. So (laughs) she had to stay home. It was awesome. And at one point she was like, are you like a prophet now or something? I was like, I I don't know. I don't know, mom. Um, uh, but I, the two weeks prior, I, I just sat back and I started painting, painting my mom. And every day I would make sure I would, you know, clean the house and then go downstairs and paint, you know, cook and go downstairs and paint. Um, I think they canceled school that week. So that made, you know, made it so I had like a little less time to, to paint, but I did. And I wanted to make sure that come this past Friday, my mom's painting was done. And like, it's so kind of like, it's so cool, kind of like living that and then being able to look back on that. And I hope I remember that, you know, for, for the rest of my experience in this, this incarnation, that when I thought that there was a possibility that something was going to take me out on a particular day, the last thing that I consciously chose to do was to paint a portrait of my mom. And it turned out great. It's, it's really awesome. Um, yeah. And, um, I'm going to start a new piece today, but I wanted to talk to you guys about just everything that's been swirling through my head. Um, so, yeah, there's that. The world got shut down. Um, I may or may not have been responsible for it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, you know what, though? All of this has kind of led me towards a whole concept of, like, 
lucid dreaming. Lucid dreaming. Um, I, I came across a book last week. And one of my uh, listeners was like, you're always mentioning books. I'm like, how often do you read? I read a lot. I read about four or five books um, a week, either physical books or audiobooks. I listen to audiobooks when I paint. And since I'm painting for long stretches of time, because I listen to books at a particular speed, I'm able to, you know, go through a book in in a day or so. And then the other days I go back and I'll re-listen to that same book so that I can really cram, you know, the information. Every time you listen to a book or every time you read the book, you get something that you missed um, the first or second or third time. Um, so it's great. It's almost like a new book over and over again. Um, and I'm also reading physical books as well because not all books are available uh, on on Audible. So I, for example, just finished a book by uh, P.D. Uspensky, which I actually um, recommended on a previous uh, podcast. I can't think of it right now. Not a previous podcast, a couple podcasts ago, but it was like uh, the psychology of man's possible evolution. Um, it's a really small, small book and you could probably, it's like 126 pages. You could probably go through it in a couple hours or whatever. Um, so I finished that, but, um, this week I have also finished, uh, reality art and illusion by Alan Watts. I have, uh, reread the power of now. Um, I have finished reading apprenticed to a Himalayan master, um, by Sri M. And I have also finished, uh, a field guide to lucid dreaming. Um, all of which I read within, like, starting on Saturday. So within the past, like, four days or so. Um, so that's that's how quickly I go through books. But the books that I'm that I'm rec- that I'm referring to now is called uh, it, the A Field Guide to Lucid Dreaming by Dylan Tuchilo. It, I typed in lucid dreaming in Audible, and that's what popped up. I would recommend you guys read that book. Um, it's it's wild because when you when you when you first start off listening to it, you're thinking about the dream world, but then the more you listen to it, the more it starts applying to this world. Like there was a chapter where he broke it down and he talked about different types of human beings. Or see, I'm doing it right now. He talked about different types of beings that you meet in the dream world, and the way he explains the dream world, it's like partially in your mind, but partially also like a place. And I've come to look at the dream world as like a collective place that you can access through your mind. So it's like a collective type of reality where it's like the opposite of this reality. So in our reality here, we have rules, right? There's laws rather. So we have the law of gravity, you have the law of thermodynamics, you have the law of, you know, physics and blah, 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 blah. So we have certain rules. Whereas in that world, there are no rules, so it's the opposite of this, like the, you know, the, for every yin, there's, for every yin, there's yang. So in this reality, for every yin, which would be this reality where everything is, um, you know, basically masculine and rigid and, and law bound, the yang to that. And um, I'm just kind of 
pulling the definition of yin and yang off my ass out of my ass right now. It could be the opposite, <laughs> um, but you, I hope you're catching my grip, uh, drift rather. The yang to that is the dream world, and so the way they explain it to that, it, it this this book is a largely a collection of people's experiences who have gone into this dream world, and they all more or less talk about it like it's the same place, like it's an actual destination that you can take your you can access using your consciousness. Um, while you sleep. It's wild to me. And so I haven't been able to, I've only had one lucid dream my my whole life um, that I remember. And um, it was the way I realized that I was lucid dreaming was that I violated a rule that I had instilled for myself in this reality. And I would never do that. So that was when I did something in that in that dream reality, that's when I realized, oh, shit, I'm dreaming. So to roll it back, first of all, just so I can finish that thought process, um, duality for for everything that there's light in our reality here, there's darkness, right? For everything that there's white, there's black. For anything that's colorful, there's gray. We live in a world of opposites, Democrats, Republicans, you know, liberal, conservatives, tall, short, short, rather, you know, macro, micro. This is the world of, of duality. And so as a sort of a consequence of, the, of that or just an obvious observation is that if we live in this world, which is a law-bound world, and I'm reiterating here, but I'm trying to drive the message home, then there's got to be an opposite world that your consciousness can also exist in. And that is the dream world, which is not law-bound. Okay, you get that? So while in our waking life, we live in this reality, um, for however long or whatever, but then when you go to sleep, you now enter into the other reality and then you can experience that. Now, according to this book, um, people dream every single night. Okay. So the difference is that just a lot of people don't remember their dreams or they have been programmed to dismiss their dreams by scientists and things like that. And just to say, well, it's just your brain defragmenting. So it doesn't, you know, these images don't mean anything. Um, uh, I've been practicing some of the techniques in that book over the last two, three days. And I will absolutely say that what scientists are saying about your brain, like defragmenting while you're sleeping is absolutely bullshit. Um, each dream that I've had, and I've been writing in a journal and, and trust me, I didn't want to, it's not something I wanted to do first thing I did in the morning, right? I've gotten in the habit of you wake up, you grab your phone, you go take a shit, you, you know, you stare at your phone, you scroll through like P- Pinterest or the news or whatever, and then you go about your day. But what I'm doing now is instead of grabbing my phone, I leave my phone and I grab my book and I just write down. And I've noticed too, like at first I'm like, I, when I try to think, okay, what was my dream? I, I can't, nothing comes to me. But then when I start writing, it's amazing how like it just floods through like a memory. And, and so I've been paying attention to my dreams. The first thing I notice is that my dreams are, are more or less, they're slightly predictive. It's really weird. A lot of the concepts and things that I dream about, I end up interacting with in my waking life. They manifest themselves in, in symbolism but it's there. So like, I'll have a dream, like, for example, like a couple nights ago, I dreamt about like, let's say my, my in-laws or whatever. And I was at their house during the quarantine and, um, their son or whatever had gotten something out of the fridge and everybody was saying that he shouldn't touch the food, blah, 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 blah. 
And then later on that day when I woke up, I got a text message from the same in-laws and they were more or less talking about, you know, the quarantine and their family and you know what that means. And so it was slightly it was slightly prophetic. Um, but then I've also learned a lot about myself in my dreams. And I'm not about to go into details because these are deeply, it's like deeply personal shit. But the like I've I've written just for the last like four four days. Um, and over just watching my dreams in the last four days and, and practicing, you know, reality checks during the day, which is mentioned in the, in the book, um, the field guide to lucid dreaming, it says to perform reality checks throughout the day. And then you kind of take on a mantra that asks yourself, am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? Eventually when you ask yourself, am I dreaming? And you're in the dream, you'll, do a reality check in the dream and then that's what's going to wake you up. So I haven't I haven't quite gotten to that point yet, but by actively sitting and writing my dreams down every morning, it's made it easier for me to remember my dreams the following day. And that's just within the last like four, four or something days. Um, I, I would strongly recommend that you guys do that too, because from even if you don't even if you don't believe in you know the esoteric or or whatever you want to call it it is a, it is an insight to what is going on in your subconscious and considering the fact that your subconscious drives i think they say it was like either 90 to 95% of your actions i would say wouldn't wouldn't you want to be conscious of what's driving 95% of your you know your daily actions all right. So I would just suggest you do that just on GP. Um, but like I said, I, I don't think that we should dismiss our dreams as just nothing but, you know, defragmenting. And I think that you can learn a lot from from dreams as well. Um, but back to the field guide book. So a couple of things that he said in the book that really stuck to me and made me apply it to this reality. Um, one of it was that he broke it down to different types of people. So there are people in the dream world that when you go and you talk to them and you say things like you do realize this is a dream, right? They like when they do speak, it's almost like they're robots. They just either kind of recoil from you or they they don't understand what you're saying or they're not processing what you're saying. Um, and he says those are people who are just like a part of the dream. They they're like natives of the dream world. Right. So like, don't, you know, don't, don't take it personally. They don't respond to them, but don't to what you say, but also don't like mistreat them. They're just like serving their purpose. They're almost like extras, you know, in our reality. And then the next phase, I believe, and I'm paraphrasing, but I believe he's saying like the next phase from that is like just other dreamers um, who've stumbled into this dream world and they're kind of living their own dreams and they're really stuck in the dream. So if you try to tell them, Hey, you know, this is a dream, like they're almost like the first group of people, but they're not part of that dream world. They're part of our world and they wandered, wandered into this dream world and they're not lucid dreaming at all. So when you become a lucid dreamer and you try to, you know, talk to them because they haven't learned to lucid dream, they are kind of stuck in their own dreams. So they kind of wander around like, you know, their eyes kind of more or less, you know, grayed out and they're kind of just really in there. They're lost in the illusion more or less. Then there are other lucid dreamers, right? And there are other people who have learned to become conscious in this dream world and you can more or less talk to them and learn from them and things of that nature. But there are people like you and me, 
um, who have learned to lose a dream as well. And so they're now conscious in that reality, right? And they're wandering around and you can communicate with them. Which actually, that would be an interesting experiment if you uh, did walk, you know, run into, if once you learned how to lucid dream, you then ran into like another lucid dreamer in this dream world. And then you exchanged like email addresses or whatever. And then they contacted you in real life. Like, wouldn't that be fucking mind blowing? Right. And then the fourth group of people are like spiritual guides. And they are like the opposite of the first group of people where they're of that world, more or less, or they might even come from different worlds, but they come to the dream world to communicate with other people through their dreams. And then the fifth group of people are like the gurus, like they have their own consciousness. They are, you know, like these like non-corporeal entities and they kind of wander around and you go to them. They're more like spiritual guides, but like even more advanced and um, yeah, it's wild. Then I started thinking like, okay, hmm, how, I feel like I should be applying this stuff to like our waking world, like to this reality, right? So for example, there have been people that I've tried to talk to in this reality and say, hey, you do realize like none of this shit is real, right? Which obviously that sounds quote unquote crazy to the general public or whatever, but some people will largely get hostile, Um, Or some people just look at you blankly, like, what are you talking about? And then your response to that is, what do you mean? What am I talking about? How come you found yourself awake in the reality and you'd never stop to ask yourself, like, what is this world? You know, so there's that group of people, right? It's referenced in the book of lucid dreaming, but we could see echoes of that in our world where just there are just these one dimensional people that they don't really think they kind of act like everybody else for the most part they're extremely programmed you know who i'm talking about um so there's that and then you mean like people who kind of are conscious of the fact that okay something's not quite right in this world but they don't want to take it a step further because they're caught up in like their in their bullshit of just daily living right their job their where the you know their bills you know, when their next paycheck is coming, like there, there's a part of them that knows, okay, this isn't right, but they're pulled into the, to the, to the deception of it all, the rat race of it all, the, the illusion of this reality. So you can't really quite get to them, but you know that there, there's someone in there that's curious and awake, as opposed to like the first group of people where you just, when you try to talk to them, it's like talking to a plant more or less. Then the really rare people where you, you talk to them and you go, you know, life is like, a fucking game right and they're like yeah i know (laughs) and you're like oh shit wait you're awake and they're like yeah 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 no i i've been there yeah i I, no, i get it i've been where you are now and i'm 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 full-on lucid and i'm just living life or whatever and yes i'm 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 very aware that none of this is real that we're living in a simulation or maya or leela whatever you want to call it right there are those people then you meet the fucking spirit guides, right? These are the people that will say something to the effect of, yes, I'm aware that this is a simulation. I've actually been playing in the simulation for a really long time. I keep coming back to the simulation so I can help people like you who are also waking up and realizing this isn't a simulation or this isn't real and to help you out of it, all right? So the spirit guides. And then the gurus, which I'm thinking like you... Psh, you probably have to go to fucking like Nepal or the Himalayas or fucking India or something 
you know, deep down in the jungles to talk to these people because they're just so far, like, ahead of the curve that they just, you know, they're just, like, meditating on the top of a mountain somewhere, just, um, (laughs) like, repeatedly, right? How is that any different from the people that were mentioned in the dream world if that in that book of lucid dreaming like it seems like they're more or less the same which then tells me like wait if that world the dream world isn't real even though it feels real while you're dreaming what makes us think that this is any more real right like a few things like a few things so for the first for and i'm like trying to like corral all my random thoughts that want to jump because I I don't want to (laughs) like they want to jump out because I don't want to just jump from one topic to one topic and not finish it you know finish that thought I'm trying to pull everything together but but there was this one thought I had first of all for the level one people both in the dream world and in our reality the level one people I've had conversations with people where I go I've asked him, this is when I was younger. I don't do that anymore. I'm in my 30s now. But like in my 20s and my like late teens, like in high school and college, I've tried to turn to certain people, you know, my peers or whatever, and ask them a simple question. Like, do you ever ask yourself, like, what the fuck we're doing here? And time and time again, for the most part, like 98% of the people that I talk to look at me like, why are you even thinking like that? Like, why can't you just go with it? Like, why do you, why do you care? You know? Why are you so worried about it? You know, like, what is wrong with you? Why are you even, why are you even thinking? Like, they're almost questioning, like, why I'm even having, like, a free thought. And as I've gotten older, you know, there was a time when that response would make me pause and think, well, shit, is there something wrong with me? But then I came up with this, allu- this um, illusion, rather, and I'm going to share it with you, okay? If you woke up, this is a story, right? If you woke up in a house right? You woke up in a mansion. You opened your eyes, you were asleep, and all of a sudden you woke up in a mansion. You looked around, and there were other people in that mansion, young people, old people, or whatever, right? And the mansion was fully stocked with food, right? And you had plenty of food, super easy, lots of drink, or whatever, but you're surrounded by like a bunch of random ass people and you don't remember how you got into that mansion, right? So you get up and you go talk to the first person and you say, well, how did we get here? And that person looks at you and says, what are you talking about? And your response is like, what the fuck do you mean? What am I talking about? What are we doing in this mansion? And they say, I don't know. Why are you that worried about it? Who's the crazy person here? The person who has found themselves in a situation and has no questions about it, or the person who's naturally inquisitive about the situation that they found themselves in. Now, imagine you go, you go, you go outside, you're like, okay, fuck this. You go, you walk to the door, but then you are told as you get to the door, hey, listen, the air outside of the door, right, is unbreathable. So if you leave the front door, you won't be able to breathe. There's only oxygen within the house or within a, a small bubble around the house. Let me, let, me, let me extend that. Let's just say you can go maybe three feet away from the front door. But after that, it's just like unbreathable and everything is dark. It's just 
there's a there's a searchlight around the house, right, to make sure that the house is lit 12 hours a day. But other than that, it's just pitch darkness everywhere else. You wouldn't have questions. What if when you went three feet past the house and you took like a telescope or whatever, you looked and you were able to see that there were other mansions around you, about eight other mansions around you, but all the mansions seem dilapidated, run down, empty. So overall, everywhere you looked, all these other mansions have nobody living in them. The only mansion that has people in it is your mansion. And you can maybe like send like a, one of those robot cars or whatever and drive it to the other mansions, but you can't physically go to walk to the other mansion so you can look at, out, look inside of the house and find out what happened to the people that lived in the house. Wouldn't you have fucking questions? Wouldn't you say, okay, who put us here? What are we doing here? Why are we just, it's, it's almost like you're fucking under quarantine, right? Right? Uh, <laughs> like right now, right? And you can't leave. And, and, and you asking questions are like, why are we locked here in the first place? And nobody has the answer. And it almost seems like you've been quarantined for a very long time, almost long enough for the people that have come prior to forget what was the reason behind the quarantine in the first place. That's fucking earth, right? Think about it. Earth, we can't get past low orbit. Every scientist will say that we can't get past. So if you believe we went to the moon, okay, kudos on you, whatever. But there's plenty of other scientists that have said, NASA scientists that have said, we cannot go past low orbit repeatedly, okay? Um, but Earth is this beautiful blue planet that has water, that has a steaming with intelligent life, not just humans, like literally Billions of different species overall, all living in one planet. But then you look around when you can't leave, right? Once you get get past a certain um, region of our atmosphere, that's it. It's too cold. It's You can't breathe the air. There's no oxygen, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That's it, all right? And then you take out a telescope, so you look around and we see um, all these other planets are like uninhabited. And then I'm saying, okay, well, what the fuck are we doing here? It seems like we're under some sort of quarantine, right? There's like a constant spotlight, like constantly, you know, we're constantly revolving around the spotlight or whatever. It controls, it gives us, you know, light and darkness. It controls our seasons. If we get too close or too warm, or if we get too close, it gets, you know, it gets hot. If we you know, pull away, it gets cooler. And that's how we have the seasons and everything like that. But what the fuck are we doing here? And why are we here with a bunch of other fucking like animals and plants and everything? It seems like somebody kind of saw the necessity of a quarantine, took all these species from all over the place, collected them into, or I should say from all other, from all other planets that were once living, in my opinion, collected them into one planet earth and then locked shit out so nothing could get in and lock, nothing could get out i mean we're living in the time of a quarantine right now look at your pantry you just have all sorts of random shit that you probably wouldn't have bought before we have way too much oatmeal i don't know what we're gonna do with all this oatmeal i don't know why i bought this much oatmeal i don't even like oatmeal like that um, but, but we also have like canned food like it's like all this stuff that you know you have in your pantry then now you you almost are going to have to eat because we don't know how long 
this is going to go on for. But clearly, imagine, just imagine that this quarantine were to happen for generations upon generations upon generations, and then nobody ever left their house. And nobody remembered the reason why we were quarantined in the first place. All right? That's Earth, more or less. And so the motherfuckers that are like, okay, why are we fucking here in the first place? The rest of the world are calling those people crazy for asking questions. Why? I'm not fucking crazy for wanting to figure out what the fuck we're doing here. Anyway, that's, an, that's, a, that's just a whole other sidebar. I just want you to think about that. The next time you ask a question like, hey, what are we doing here? And somebody says, don't ask those questions. You need to be more concerned about that person's sanity than your own. Because um, it's normal, in my opinion, that if you find yourself in a, in a situation and or circumstance where you don't understand what you're doing there or how you got there, to ask fucking questions. And so because we live in a society that where you're largely discouraged from asking questions, any person that asks questions is demonized, ostracized, and labeled as crazy. So anyway, back to the to lucid dreaming part. So we have those people who in our reality, they don't ask questions. They just kind of go along with it. And if you say, hey, do you, does this feel real to you? They look at you like, why are you even asking this? And then you have other people that are starting to kind of wonder the same thing as you, but because they're so locked in the cycle of, you know, mental, you know, enslavement, you know, trying to get your base, your bills paid, trying to get money to eat, trying to work, trying to meet the next goal and the next goal and the next goal while battling, you know, your own psyche and battling the psyche of others. You you almost can't, you're so stuck. Those people are so stuck in the heaviness of the construct of reality that they, they can't delve in further to what that means. Then you meet the people who have maybe broken away a bit from society for better or worse. And they look up and they go, yeah, this is definitely a dream. And I'm consciously creating the reality that I find myself in. And then you have the spirit guides that we have, you know, and then we have the guru. How do we know that this isn't some type of dream too? I mean, the same sort of levels of people exist in this world that exists in the other world that we call the dream world. And I would also say too, that same dream world, I believe people are accessing both when they sleep but also when they take certain drugs. And I think that certain drugs like LSD more or less allow you to, like, I would say that, lucid, that LSD is basically a lucid dreaming drug. It should be called LDD, lucid synthetic drug, right? It allows you to dream while you're still, it allows you, let me phrase it like this. It allows you to access that other dream world while you're still present in this world. Towards the end of that book, the Lucid Dreaming um, Field Guide, it actually says that there are people like yogis and like experienced lucid dreamers that are able to access other worlds, particularly that dream world, from this reality, from our waking reality, quote unquote, waking reality. And so if you can, if they can do it with practice and meditation, I'm sure that LSD basically allows you to do the exact same thing, you know, the same way, 
you can probably meditate a headache away, but fucking Tylenol will allow you to do the exact same thing, more or less. Oh, side note, um, in the first, uh, in the last episode, the first like few moments of the previous episodes, I talked about uh, grapefruit seed extract. Um, make sure you dilute it. Don't take it at full strength. Follow the instructions if you do decide to go that route. I just want to share that with you. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, anything that you can achieve with with the psyche can also be achieved with drugs and vice versa. Anything you can achieve with drugs can also be achieved with, with psyche. You can lower your blood pressure with a blood pressure medication, but you can also meditate your blood pressure down. You know, there there have been yogis and fucking monks and stuff that can bring control their heart rates consciously, control their inner metabolism consciously, their own be- their body temperature. They can warm their body up with their minds. All right. So if a drug can, if you can do something with your mind, a drug can basically do the do the same thing. I've even had experiences when when I stay on top of my meditation and I'm reading my books um, on a daily you know basis, and I I lock in particularly when I'm painting because I really don't have space to think when I'm painting. So if I'm painting and then reading certain books on like spirituality or philosophy or whatever it is, um, I will actually shift my mind, and then I'm fasting on top of that. I actually start feeling the same effects as I would if I had taken like a bunch of weed. Um, so I think that's what, that's all LSD does. It maybe damages your way in a, your brain in a particular way that allows you to access um, that same dream world, which I'm, I'm starting to think of as a physical, quote unquote, physical, for lack of a better word, sorry, uh, destination, but consciously. The same way a person who's been well-versed in lucid dreaming um, can. I want to share with you my, my lucid dream and how I was able to wake up my very first lucid dream. It was before I read this book. This was like a couple of three years ago. I went through like a phase where um, my body just decided it was going to just be allergic to like everything that I ate, particularly spicy foods. And so for like a good six months or so, I had to be very mindful of eating spicy foods um so much so that if i and this is my mind doing this to me like if i had something with just a hint of black pepper my like i would start getting like uh, pain behind my eyes more or less so i was very very like all the foods that i ate for a very long time were like highly controlled and it was just the same three or four foods over and over again because i knew that those foods would not have anything in it and i didn't go out i prepared all my food and it was just very plain and so that was my life for like a long period of time but then when I went to sleep I had I was in this like hotel and they had like a platter and it had like red hot sauce and shrimp and my dream self grabbed the shrimp and dipped it directly into the pepper and threw it directly in my mouth and that was what made me conscious because like I would have never done that at that time in my waking reality so that was like my reality check wait a minute that's not something that Joe would do in this reality. Oh shit, I'm in a dream. And that's what made me conscious. Now, because I'd never had a lucid dream before, I didn't know what to do. For those of you who don't know what lucid dream is, I would say like probably a little too late, 42 minutes in. <laughs> you probably should have Googled it this whole time. But it's like being conscious in your dream. Anyway, I uh, I was like, oh my God, I'm dreaming. 
Um, so I was like running around like, oh, shit, what am I going to do first? And so I was like, well, I'm in L.A. So I started summoning like celebrities and I was like, party, I'm going to party with Snoop. And so I like imagined Snoop Dogg and I imagined um, Ludacris and like Mariah Carey. And then I like started flying. So I was like, OK, cool. So I was like, let me fly. So then I started flying. Um, that was cool. And then I had like a, a party. It was like a Snoop Dogg party. And it was like a swim party and there was like slides and everything. Like just every crazy shit that I could imagine. I didn't do anything fun, right? Like I wasn't like, ooh, who's this really sex? Like Idris Elba. Like I didn't I didn't even go there. I was just like walling out, like running around. Then I saw this like guy that was kind of standing there. And so I run up to him and I said, hey, 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 you're dreaming. Wake up. And I was like trying to shake him. But every time I would try to tell him, wake up, you're dreaming, he would like static like he would go and he would just like kind of shake or like the whole image of him would like go into static like old school tvs you know it was like and i was like okay that's weird but i was like all right well here's my email address and i gave him my actual email address and i gave him my phone number and i said if you want to contact me contact me if you remember this but every time i try to give him my contact information he would like glitch and i was like all right that's weird and anyway so i left him and i went back to like partying and then when i woke up i was so i felt so good like I was like so elated and I was cracking up. I was like, that was like the best fucking dream ever. And I was like telling my husband everything that happened. And he was just like, that's really weird. I was like, I know, like I'd never been awake in a dream before. And since then, I've been trying to get back to that. And I, I'm hoping, you know, over the next few months of like practic- practicing what I've read in that book. And I've um, downloaded other books on lucid dreaming. So that's what I'm going to be doing over the next couple of uh, weeks or so while we're on this vacation. Um, <laughs> I'm going to really should delve into it. And and if I do, I'm going to, you know, report back and like report back and let you guys know, like what it's, you know, what it's like. Um, but anyway, I, I don't entirely sure what the point of all of that was. Uh, I think what I'm trying to get at is, um, uh, 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 this reality and, and the March 20th, that's it. That's where I was going. You know, after March 20th, after this Friday, I started to think about what this means overall in the in the grand sense of, of things right in the grand scheme of things um what does it mean to sort of think that you're going to die and then not die and then i started to think okay like i've made several jokes because a couple of my friends have texted me like well you're still alive and i'm like yeah and i made jokes to the effect of maybe it was the coronavirus that killed me in my last incarnation and so by listening to the promptings of my higher consciousness to way back in December, start binge watching, um, no, not December, early January, start binge watching old episodes of the Twilight Zone and everything like leading me down. Like I look back at the path that I took from just these sort of intuitive promptings like, okay, watch the Twilight Zone. Okay, fine. Um, watch this episode. Okay, fine. Um, sit here and, and, and paint this red woman and like all of the things that drew me to that calm that point that culminating point of March 20th watch out be careful for that week has been so fascinating to me so fascinating to me and so I made a joke with one of my friends today like well maybe you know this virus actually killed me in my last incarnation and so my higher self you know used my used my fascination with the twilight zone kind of implanted that but you know quietly drove me to that date and to to watch that episode and to be mindful of that date so that I would be extra cautious that week and you know 
skip death, you know? And then I was like, what does that mean? You know, what does it all mean? You know, this last few days have been, there was another thing that I'd said that maybe a part of me, maybe it's not me physically that dies, or maybe I did, I do die, or maybe there are listeners in another reality that are waiting for this episode that's never going to come to them, you know? And so for them, my last episode about the aliens is that was the last episode they were going to get, you know, this is not me pulling this stuff out of my ass. Like this is, these are things that have been, you know, theorized by quantum physicists. We don't really know what's going on because most of the time we're not paying attention. Right. But I was saying like, I had said, like, maybe it's not like me physically dying, that maybe there's a part of me, like maybe the mind or the persona or the false self or the ego dies. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not the same person that I was before the 20th. One one of the biggest thing is, you know, that voice in your head that's always negative that says the craziest shit to you? I almost never hear it anymore. There's just been this really good, like, chill calm over me. I'm not as tense or as critical as I used to be anymore. It almost feels like all the books and all the mantras and all the experiences and all the things that I've gone through culminated on Friday the the 20th to make it so that I've become a completely different thing. Like like I said, the voice in my head. Okay, let me let me backtrack. I am a Virgo, which I don't know if you know a lot about Virgos, but um, they're literally the worst, and I, I can say that because I'm a Virgo. Just and not only am I a Virgo, I'm a Virgo that was raised by a Virgo, which I love my mom very much. I really do. But Virgos are very like tense and 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 very critical and perfectionist i mean like and judgmental they walk in and they see something wrong in every situation um and i'm sure they have good sights too <laughs> um and while i love the fact that you know all those things that i mentioned about being a perfectionist and things like that have been great and have gotten me to where i am in life now when you have that voice in your head that's that's like a virgo as your voice in your head, it's, it's not pleasant. Right. And, and I was, I, I was like, you know, my name on this podcast is Joanna, the overthinker. And I'm not going to really change that. It is what it is. But if you give me something, I will overthink about it. it. It was just, it was just a gift. And what I noticed leading up until the 20th and now, you know, afterwards is I used to go bef- before where you, t- if you told me, one day that I would be able to to go three seconds, three seconds without thinking something, I would say, I would literally like, what, what kind of drug would you be giving me for that? And now I would say that I might have an errant thought maybe once or twice, maybe three times a day. For the most part, I am 
largely present for the most part. It's been wonderful. There is a beautiful, absolutely beautiful piece of music written by Abel Korzeniowski. I'm pretty sure I just destroyed his last name. I was I was listening to a playlist that I have on Spotify. It's called Jolie Artist Painting Music. And I think I was getting like a bunch of text messages from like everybody, you know, about this virus and all these things. And I remember just putting my phone on silent and something reminded me, it's almost like I forgot about music because I spent so much time reading books. And I, I went and I played this song. It's off the Penny Dreadful soundtrack, but probably one of the most beautiful pieces of music I've ever heard. The song is called Be True by Abel Korzeniowski. Be true. Now, if you can close your eyes and listen to that, and I've listened to that song countless times before. Like I like before I would listen to Audible when I painted, I would just listen to this, you know, to the theme song of like classical music because I like classical music. Um, but my God, I when I played that song, the way it starts off, it reminded me of everything that was going on that is going that is going on right now. So it starts off with this heavy bass, right? And I it, and I closed my eyes and I could see what was happening to us. It, the whole entire world, this heavy base, right? There's this negativity and, and the fear, you know, and it's very, just very ominous and very frightening and it's death and it's, you know, darkness. And it's, and then all of a sudden you hear this pitch of music, it breaks away from the base of it. And it's just this, I can't even, you just, you just have to listen to it, but it's so high. It goes high. And all of a sudden I could see everything guys. I could see everything that was happening to us right now. Right. We're all, we're all vibrating down here. Right. You know, everybody from Alan Watts to Stephen Hawking's to Brian Green, you know, to fucking, I don't know, Eckhart Tolle, and all these other people, I'm, and I'm putting them from scientists to philosophers have all said that everything vibrates. Even the word human, if you break it down, hum, that's a vibration. Everything vibrates. And so we are all collectively, for the most part, vibrating on this very low tone, right? Across the world. I've, I've talked about this in other podcasts, how this is unprecedented, where simultaneously all of human being, all of humanity is afraid right now. I, I, I partly joked that if we were, if we're being observed by aliens right now and they, you know, they're constantly monitoring us and all of a sudden they went to New York and LA right now, they would probably think we all fucking wiped ourselves out because the streets are all empty. I mean, it looks like a scene out of fucking Walking Dead or fucking I Am Legend or something, right? Where everything's just deserted. If they didn't know what was going on, they would look and say, what happened to all the humans? You know, so everything is vibrating super low right now and just very dark and very heavy and and everybody's afraid. Right. And that's how the music starts off as. But then you hear this high pitch. I think it was the, the, the just a string instrument just and it breaks away from everything. 
you know, and it's dun, 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 and it's just playing. It's like it's you know rebelling against the the, the darkness and the loneliness of it all, and then you you it, it but it gets pulled back down a bit, and then it but as it every time it pulls down, the bass kind of reduces and it, it and the music kind of gets like higher, you know, and higher and higher, and then it crescendos into this just beautiful just all these strings and the piano and everything coming together. And it's just like, I'm listening to this and I'm seeing humanity. I'm seeing what we're going through right now in humanity. And all I could think of is, man, it only takes one, just one, just one person to be that high pitched instrument that says fear is a choice. Fear is a choice. And just that one, that one person that one soul that one spirit from the collective that breaks away and pulls it all up can pull the rest of us up to a higher vibration you know and that and that higher string and that crescendo and just pull us all up out of this this you know lowness and this and this low vibrational um wavelength that we're all kind of vibrating in right now and make beautiful music that's what i was thinking as i'm thinking that my eyes are closed and i'm listening to this music fucking tears just streaming down my face i am the most cynical sarcastic <laughs> like fucking like person that you've ever met and to, and then and yes i'm an artist but still like that's not i'm i'm this dry kind of cynical you know artist but it's like even if you go back to listen to like the things that i talked about in the earlier part of this podcast compared to what i'm talking about now as in, and by earlier, I mean like the first few episodes or whatever, compared to what I'm talking about today, it's like a completely different person. But as I'm listening, I call, like I listen to it once and then I call my husband in and I don't even give a shit like what he's thinking about me. I was like, listen to this, this part, this is what we're going through right now. And he's like, I say, I say, do you hear the bass? Do you hear the darkness? I said, that's the media. That's, that's the fear. That's the darkness. He said, yeah, it's got a very ominous tone to it. And I said, yes, listen to that. Now listen, listen to that. The pitch, it breaks away. You can see you could see what the composer was trying to show with just the strings and with all the instruments. It was like painting a beautiful movie from the music. I'm crying tears. I'm crying tears. And all of a sudden, like, my hands are in the air and I'm just, like, fucking conducting music. And I'm just so in the, in, in the moment and just not giving a fuck. My windows are open. I'm sure my neighbors are probably watching me thinking, what the fuck is this bitch doing? But I just didn't care. I thought about the people in Spain, the cops, the videos that I saw, the police officers while people are in their home pull out of their cars and just start playing music. And I thought about, like, this is us. This is us. This is us. This is humanity. This is us. All the jokes, all the people who, despite all of this, are trying to make each other laugh. You know, I, I, my, my daughter has been coughing. You know, I found myself coughing for a while there and I started to think, well, maybe I just allow fear to fucking manifest these symptoms. And so I fucking took off the mask. And when I sat outside in the sun and I grabbed my daughter and I just held her. I just held her. I said, I love you, kiddo. I don't fucking care. I love you. You know? That's the best of us. It just takes it just takes a few to break away from the darkness. I'm not saying fucking say fuck the law and go outside and fucking break the social distancing and things like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we could we can get past this if we can vibrate 
higher. We can go listen to that song for fuck's sake. Go listen to it because I can't. You listen to me talking to it and describing it to you doesn't do anything. You gotta hear it. You gotta sit down. Fucking stop. Turn off the fucking news. Stop listening. Stop worrying. Turn that music up. Let the music fucking drown you. Drown in the music and listen to it. And tell me that doesn't speak to what is happening to us right now. It just takes a few of us to lift the rest of us, to raise the music. And more importantly, more importantly, even in the darkest and the, and the, and the base of life, that's still music, guys. That's still music. You know, that high-pitched sound of whatever instrument that was, the violin or the whatever, that made that... If it didn't have that doom, 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 that bass to kind of counter that high pitch, it it wouldn't have that same effect that it did. It wouldn't move me in the same way, just as if it was just the bass. It would it wouldn't move me the same way. It needed the opposite. It needed the balance of the darkness and the light, of the low and the high, of the bass and the treble combined together by law. Right? Those bars where you, you put the treble clef in the bass when you write music and the notes. The, the laws, those bars signify the law. We need the law. But those, those bars and the placement of these notes is how we make the music that we call life, guys. Life is a fucking symphony. So even this dark part that we're going through right now, it just needs... This base that we're going through right now just needs a few of us to be the treble, to be the treble that raises the rest of us collectively away from the darkness and raises our vibration. It's all vibration, guys. It's all string theory. Two things. One, if I can accidentally, accidentally say I want everybody to stay home on March 20th and watch it happen. We can all consciously, everybody listening to this right now, if we all just chose, fear is a choice, if we all just chose to not get sucked into the base, if we all just chose to be the treble, to be the treble that balances all this base, collectively we can create something like a beautiful symphony. You know, if we all chose to be there for each other, when everybody is afraid, just say, look, don't be afraid. We'll get through this. All right, that's that. That's that violin, that high-pitched noise. You know, the bass is going to be there, but it doesn't, it has to be there because that's part of the music. It doesn't mean it's, we shouldn't, we shouldn't bemoan its existence, the darkness, the dark times, the trying times, the media, you know, the negative Nellies, the, the fear. It's there. It's there. But that's part of the music. You need that to balance the high notes, to put everything into place. When I paint, what brings my paintings to form, it's not the middle tones. It's not just the middle tones. I've got to add shadow but I also have to add the highlights. And so it's a combination of the midtones, 
and the darkness, the shadows, and the whites, the highlights that makes this, the painting beautiful, that makes it, that brings it true to form, that makes it real. So today, I, I want you to get what I want you to get from all of this is this. The bass will always be there, guys. It's part of the symphony. The suffering, the pain, it's there. It is, it's there. But the world right now, particularly, needs the treble, the, the crescendos, the high-pitched, the violin to balance out the bass and the strings, right? We, we need that balance. We need that to pull it and pull the rest of us, right? Because if you listen to that Be True song, as that when that first tone goes high, and I know, I know, I know I sound crazy right now. I know. I, I don't fucking care though, because I know that you're either going to get it or you're not. But if I don't say this, if I don't put it out there, then it, it, it doesn't go anywhere. So even if I'm speaking to one person, that one person, one person is enough. Just like that one tone in that song, go fucking listen to it. Close your eyes. Forget about everything else for a second. And go play that song. Play it as loud as you fucking can. All it needed was one tone, but if you listen, you start to you start to see with your eyes closed, you start to see that that one pitch was enough to all of a sudden bring the rest of the, the music from the bass to the mid-level. And it just became just this light and inspiring song, this beautiful piece. And, and we, we, we have the chance to do that now. Be that. Be that. Maybe I did die on March 20th. I know for sure I've, I, I had in the past several times. Probably more times than I'm aware of, which then means what the fuck am I afraid of? Would there have been a, a version of myself that would have been afraid to even talk about what I'm talking to now, let alone publish it? Yes, but that version of myself is, is gone. She died. It died on that day. And leading up to that, I would say, I would argue it's been dying this whole time. I'm not going to bemoan the darkness. I'm not going to bemoan the, the base for existing. Right? I don't bemoan my nightmares because my nightmares are part of my psyche. It means... There's something there that I need to learn from. There's something there I need to face. There's something there that I need to overcome. Because by overcoming it, by breaking away from it, not running away from it, breaking free from it, I can move on to the next thing. I can move. Otherwise, the same nightmare will keep recurring over and over and over and over again. Your life. All the darkness of your life, all the bad things that have happened to your life happened for a reason. They were the base in your own symphony that is your life. And then you, your consciousness, decided to take that and become an alchemist and make it beautiful, 
And you still can. We can take what's happening right now. Remember I said a couple of things too. The gods don't sell us any good without the cost of some evil. Well, hey, God damn it. We as a collective society are paying for something good that's coming up with all this evil that we're experiencing right now. Look on the bright side. Something good is coming. I don't know when. But if we're collectively this low, vibrating this low, that something's going to break away and be high. That's just nature. It's balance. Everything is balance. All is mind. I guarantee you, all these cases, all these cases that they're finding right now of this virus, I would, I would probably be, be willing to bet that a lot of them are psychosomatic cases, and that they let the media and the news into their, into their mind, into their psyche, and cause, allowed their minds to manifest symptoms of what they're experiencing now. So the, the, they tell you a cough. And, and I was one of that too. They, they tell you a cough, a running nose, a sneezing, that's it. And then boom, it gets worse. And so you, you, you input that into your mind. You drill that into your head every day. Eventually, your mind will manifest that. I mean, that's how it works. Everything that you have in your life right now, both good and bad, has been a manifestation of your own mind. And so if it can manifest negative things, why can't it manifest positive things too? They say all is mind and all is one. They say we're alone together. I always thought the words all and one, we're all one. You put it all together and it spells alone. We're alone together in this world. We look around and it's like that mansion, right? We look around and all the other mansions are uninhabited. It's just us and we're fighting each other over this bullshit and that bullshit, but it's just us. It's just, just us. And so if we can let fear collectively bring us down, it only takes a few people to raise the vibration of all of us. They, they have said this. These have been proven by researchers whose names escape me right now. I think Dean Radin might be one of the researchers I'm thinking about who said that they took monks and meditators and put them collectively together and had them meditate in like inner cities and just the collect the collective minds of people meditating for good was enough to see statistically significantly significant drops on violent crime in that area that's the mind and so what i'm what i'm trying to do is implore everybody that's hearing my voice right now i understand that yes you almost can't get away from from this virus thing and I was very reluctant to even talk about it, but here we are. You can't get away from it. It seems like you can't get away from it. But you know what I, I did? I, maybe it's easier for me to do this because I'm in California and it's nice and sunny today. But I put my phone away. And I took my, my little speaker. And I went outside. And I played my playlist on my classical music. And I sat 
and I watched the birds and I watched the wind and I looked at the plants and looked at the trees and I said, they're not worrying about anything right now. Neither should you.